Barakat everyone. Alhamdulillah. Min al-Shaytan al-Rajim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alamin. Waladwan illa anadhalimin. Walaqibatu dil-muttaqin. Allahumma salli wa sallam wa barik. Ala abdika wa rasulika Muhammadin sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam tasliman kathira. Jazakumullah khayran to all of you for your patience. Uh, we were uh, just having a little bit of technical difficulty getting started. And um, subhanAllah, tonight uh, is probably one of the most important uh, sessions that we've had, and they've all been important, but to address, I think, a question that I have been getting and, and many folks have been getting, which is like, how do we make du'a for the people of Palestine right now? What is the right way to make du'a? What are the du'as? And, you know, I, I want to start, subhanAllah, just before I bring in Sheikh Tahir here, um, you know, this is a really extraordinary time. And today I visited a brother, friend of mine, who lost 21 of his family members last night. I want you to think about, subhanAllah, the, the weight of that on people right now. So we're witnessing an extreme time right now, extraordinary circumstances. Yet, subhanAllah, all I heard from him and from his family members is, Alhamdulillah, bi'idnillah, they are shuhada. We have hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, now they're at peace. And just continue to make du'a for those that are still waiting every day. And, you know, as we were sort of talking about, every two hours you check on your family in Gaza. And the sentence is, Alhamdulillah, lissa'ishin. Alhamdulillah, we're still alive. Like imagine when someone says, Kayfa haluka, how are you? And you say, Alhamdulillah, bi khair. Right now, the people of Gaza say, Alhamdulillah, aishin. If they answer your message, Alhamdulillah, we lived another day, which really puts into perspective, Alhamdulillah, ladhi ahyana ba'dama amatana. You know, we say every morning that Alhamdulillah, all praise be to Allah, who gave us another day, who gave us life after uh, death, and to Him is the ultimate return. So, these are difficult times. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be with our brothers and sisters in Gaza. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to enable us. You know, Allahumma inna ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husni ibadatik. May Allah enable us to properly thank Him, to properly remember Him, to properly worship Him, to properly act in the moment in a way that's pleasing to Him, but the night ta'ala and beneficial. And with that, um, you know, alhamdulillah, we're joined with um, my beloved brother, Sheikh Tahir, Dr. Tahir Wyatt who, alhamdulillah, some of you may have seen, you know, he, he taught us the du'as to make in Ramadan and um, often uh, teaches us how to make du'a and the etiquettes of du'a and uh, what types of du'a. And as we're going through this every night at 8.30 uh, Central Time, 9.30 Eastern, uh, Sheikh Tahir uh, agreed to spare some time, even though he's traveling, uh, to be with us and to talk to us about how to make du'a in the moment and he's going to be going over five du'as in particular, inshallah ta'ala, that we can make. But before that, um, Sheikh Tahir, first of all, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you and reward you for, for giving us time. Let's just start with, how do I even have hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the moment? You know, that husnadhan in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, like I'm making du'a. And then as I make du'a, the death toll went from 1,300 to 1,500 children, uh, 3,000, 4,000 civilians, 5,000 civilians. I'm making du'a and then I'm seeing that. I'm making du'a and then I'm seeing that. How do we have hope as we make our du'as and still find the um, the energy and the uh, the himma to still make du'a right now in this moment? Tafadlul Shaykhna. Alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salam ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wa ala. 
First of all, Jazakallah Khairan for having me and giving me this opportunity to speak to our brothers and sisters throughout the world. Your question is, is a very important question. And it says, Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu used to say, Inni la ahmilu ham al ijaba. I'm not worried about, I don't carry. Uh, any anxiety regarding the answer from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's not my concern. The thing that concerns me is, am I actually going to make dua? Uh, and so you started off and you mentioned the dua of Mu'ad radiallahu ta'ala anhu, the dua that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa taught Mu'ad radiallahu anhu, which is Allahumma inni ala dhikrik. Allahumma inni ala dhikrik. Oh Allah, help me to remember you. And that's a dua that the Prophet ﷺ taught Mu'ad to make at the end of every salah. And making that dua hopefully, hopefully will be that pathway to making more dua and calling upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala more. But to get directly to your point, which is, you know, how do we process all of this that's happening? And knowing that perhaps I am making dua and I'm not seeing it being answered the way that I expect it to be answered. It, it really does take us to ponder over some of the ayat of the Quran. And one of those ayahs is an ayah that many of us frequently recite, but maybe haven't internalized you know, exactly what Allah is telling us uh, in this ayah. From those ayahs, statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, am hasibatum an tadkhulul jannah. In this ayah, Allah Azawajal is talking first and foremost to the companions of the Prophet and then by extension to the Ummah after them. Did you think that you would enter Jannah? And the example of those who preceded you has not yet come to you. The example that came to those people who preceded you has not yet come to you. They've been hit by hardship and adversity, poverty and affliction and injury, and even death they were tested with. And it shook them. To what point, to what extent did it shake them? Until their messenger, the messenger that was with them, and those believers who were with that messenger, mm -hmm. they said, When will the help of Allah come? Now, subhanAllah, it's, it's interesting that they're not shaken at all about the help of Allah coming. They know that Allah's help is going to come but it's delayed longer than they thought. And we're talking about a messenger here. We're talking about the believers that are with that messenger. When is the help of Allah gonna come? Allah says, The help of Allah is near. It is important for us to understand that you look at the state of that prophet, those believers that were with the prophet, they were done of all material means. They were broken at this point. There is nothing left for them to, to do. 
And at that stage, or at that state, when they are at their final wits, they have nothing else, none of their own devices, that is when the help of Allah is the closest. Because that is when they are the closest to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is at that point when everything else is, is out of the way. And now they are truly depending upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The reliance is at the end of the spectrum, if you will. If you look at a, a spectrum of tawakkul, and they are truly depending upon Allah. I, I look at the situation that our brothers and sisters are dealing with today, and we ask Allah to be with them, to aid them, to make it easy upon them to heal their wounded and to have mercy on their dead and to accept them as shuhada. We look at this situation. Perhaps Allah is preparing them to be the leaders of something. We don't know Allah. But when you think about those type of imtihanat, those tests, the exams that people go through, it is a stage and it leads to something else. Now, I think about it from if, and I know that this is a, an example that's a little bit off, but, I, but it, it relates. When, when people are hiring somebody uh, for a company, they're trying to bring in a CEO, they're trying to bring in a leader, somebody that's going to take this company, this organization uh, into the future. You know, there's multiple candidates. Uh, all of them may seem eligible. All of them have beautiful resumes or whatever the situation may be. So they have to put them through a series of tests to see which one is actually fit to lead this organization into the future. And it may be Allah, we don't know. We don't know. But maybe Allah is testing some of our brothers and sisters in Islam because they are going to be the leaders of this ummah in the very near future. Allah knows best. But the point is, we should not ever give up hope. Never give up hope. Allah in the Nasrullahi Kareem. The hope, I mean, the, the, help and aid of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is close. And this is very, very important for us as believers in Shaykh Omar. Uh, if you don't mind, I, I want to just talk a little bit more about the, the part about having hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and how we should be thinking about this situation as a whole. You know, it, it is at times like these when the believers are being tested, when lives are being lost, that Allah distinguishes between the believers and the munafiqeen and the hypocrites. And historically, this is what has happened. And we're talking about those who, when we're talking about the believers, we're talking about those who have a good opinion about Allah, those who have good thoughts about Allah. And Allah describes the hypocrites as people who have bad thoughts about Allah. They, they don't have a good opinion about his justice about his mercy, about his wisdom. And so uh, at the Battle of Uhud, when the believers uh, faced some trials and adversities and some of the, the Sahaba were killed, the hypocrites at that time, Allah described them as they have untrue thoughts about Allah. Thoughts that uh, are of ignorance, thoughts of pre-Islamic ignorance for that matter. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is describing them this way. The believers have husnul they have good thoughts about Allah, 
But the hypocrites throughout the Quran, by the way, it's not just just uh, in Ali Imran when Allah Azza is talking about what happened at the Battle of Uhud. He says that they have evil thoughts about Allah, untrue thoughts about Allah. And then Allah talks about what is that thought? They say, if it was up to us, if we had something to, to do with it, if we had a say in the matter, we wouldn't have been killed here. And Allah responds to them and tells the Prophet Say, if you have been in your homes, those who had it had been written for them that they would be killed, death would have found them even in their homes. Death would have found them regardless. And so the difference between the way that a believer approaches all of these matters and the way that somebody whose iman is not as strong or, or perhaps even has reached a level of hypocrisy is that those who believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are always looking for husnadun, always looking to have good thoughts and good opinions about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is what is going to lead them to call upon Allah Azza wa Jal. Last but not least, and let me just say this inshallah, and then uh, any other questions that we may feel, but Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala, he has a very important statement. He says, that the greatest of sins in the sight of Allah is to have evil thoughts about him. It is the evil thoughts that is going to lead to one associating partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is evil thoughts about Allah that leads to stinginess and greed and cowardice and other vices as Ibn Abbas used to say. And I think, subhanAllah, one of the things that is really important to mention, you know, these people in Gaza, look at the the way that they just naturally make dua, man. It's, it's really beautiful and inspiring. And I, I think it's important for us to take a step back and appreciate that that type of yaqeen, that type of certainty is not generated overnight. That's years and years and years of praying Fajr every day in Jama'ah. That's years and years and years of learning sabr and understanding aliq al-dunya wa sa'at al-dunya wal-akhirah, living it, right? The, the constriction of this dunya and the expanse of this dunya and the hereafter by connecting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so there's a, a natural beauty. Like you don't, you don't feel like it's forced when they're saying Alhamdulillah, la ilaha You don't feel it. And these are simple phrases, but they're extremely heavy in those moments. And that is directly grounded in their hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When they are saying Alhamdulillah and la ilaha look at the end of the day when we're passing away the, the hope that Allah gives us these firmness to be able to say la ilaha as our last words. Every Muslim knows the term la ilaha illallah. But how many Muslims will be able to say la ilaha illallah at the time of death? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us all amongst them. Allahumma ameen. That can utter those words as their last words at the time of, of death. So it's it's not even the, the words themselves being in any way uh, lengthy or, um, you know, uh, exclusive in their nature that, that only a few... You know, highly literate Muslims know them. It is the afkar that we say on a daily basis. What does it mean to say la ilaha illallah in that time? What does it mean to say Allahu Akbar in that time? What does it mean to say subhanallah in that time? 
What does it mean to say Alhamdulillah when you don't even have water, food, fuel, or electricity while the airstrikes are falling upon you? You know, to say Alhamdulillah. So I think that there's something deeply profound that all of that is grounded in their husnul dhan in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we have to take from that husnul dhan that they have in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That doesn't mean that um, they don't get tired, that, uh, you know, zulziru, like they're being shook in every direction. But I think that it does mean that there's a lesson, I think, to be gleaned uh, from that in particular. So, Sheikh, I think um, next question I'll sort of jump into. Um, the etiquettes of dua that people should observe. You know, we know that the Prophet Sallallahu for example, did qunut uh, in all five prayers for a month after Bir Ma'una and Haditha Raji'ah. Um, so how should, should people be doing qunut in all five prayers? And if so, is there a particular dua they should learn to make in all five prayers? Um, what are some of the etiquettes of dua that should be made in these extraordinary times right now? In terms of some of the other etiquettes, uh, let me just say first, because a lot of people, they come and they say, you know, what, what dua should I be making? And subhanAllah, the dua that comes from your heart that dua is the one that you should make. Before we worry about formulas, worry about where it's coming from. So if it comes from your heart and it comes off of your tongue, then it be idnillahi ta'ala, that is a good dua. The Prophet والسلام, uh, taught this ummah, Allah does not accept the dua that comes from an inattentive heart. If that, if that heart is not attentive, uh, if it's distracted, then that is not a dua that is accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is not the way you want to be making dua. And sometimes people memorize formulas or they memorize uh, duas from the Quran or from the Sunnah of the Prophet, والسلام, but they don't actually know what those duas mean. So they just uh, they know the words. That is not the best way to make dua. The best way to make dua is the dua that comes from your heart. Now, if you are able to memorize du'as from the Quran, du'as from the Sunnah of the Prophet and you also know what they mean, then this is obviously, and you say them from your heart, then this is obviously best. But let me just reiterate that subhanAllah, you don't have to wait to memorize any special du'as. Whatever comes to your heart that is expressing Asking Allah Azza wa Jal to help those people, to help our people, to help our brothers and sisters, to protect them against those who are trying to hurt and destroy them and exterminate them, then that dua is a good dua. The another thing that um, you know is from the etiquettes of dua is that a person make wudu before making dua. So to be in wudu, to be in ritual purity while making dua is from the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, something that is highly encouraged for people to do. Likewise, facing the qibla when making dua is encouraged. Now, mind you, a person can make dua when they're not in ritual purity. A person can make dua not facing the qibla, but this is from the etiquettes of dua. Also to raise the hands and uh the way that Ibn Abbas uh, described the dua of the Prophet والسلام, in general was that he would uh, 
put the hands like this, almost as if he was cupping them, almost as if something was coming out of the sky and you're trying to catch it. So I don't know if this is picking up on the camera or not, like, but like you're cupping like this and almost like shoulder length. Okay. So, so this is, this is the way that Ibn Abbas, for the Allah described the way that the Prophet would hold his hands making dua. And that's under circumstances where that's possible. Because as many of you may know, one of the best places to make dua or the best situations, if you will, is when you're in sujood. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I think that this is an opportunity, subhanAllah, and I don't want to digress too much, but when things are going tough, when, when, there, when there are difficulties that the ummah is facing, we should actually be trying to increase in our obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We should be in try, trying to increase in our worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So perhaps you didn't use to pray salat al-duha, for example. Well, use this as an opportunity to pray duha and make your sujood longer. Make your sujood longer and just make dua for your brothers and sisters and fill asleep. Make dua for the ummah as a whole, but make make your sujood longer. This is something that you can that you can do or in your nawafid, for example, or your sunnahs before and after the uh, the obligatory prayers. So extending that sujood because making dua and sujood, the Prophet said, this is when you are the when you are the closest to Allah for it's it's more likely that a person's dua is going to be accepted at that time. Similarly, uh, before uh, the taslim, so before you salam out of salat, salam alaykum wa salam alaykum wa right before that, that is a very good place to make dua. This is where the Prophet told some of his companions to make a lot of dua. And one of the reasons why, Sheikh Omar, and this goes back to the etiquettes, from the etiquettes of dua is to start with the praise of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, and follow that with the salah and the salam upon the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Sunan Abi Dawood, the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, entered upon a man who was making dua, and the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa said to his companions, As for this one, he was hasty. He just started saying, oh, Allah, give me this, oh, Allah, give me that. And he said, that if he would have started with the uh, uh, with the praise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then a salat and a salam upon the Prophet that this is uh, more likely for his dua to be accepted that this is from the etiquettes of dua now take that back to salat when you're in the last sitting of your salat you start with praise of Allah and then so now you're sending the salat and then the salam upon a prophet. All of this happens before the taslim. So there's praise of Allah, salat and salam upon a prophet. And then you can make any dua you want while you're in the sitting position. So this is also another opportunity to extend that sitting and make dua for your brothers and sisters in Islam. Similarly, and this is something that maybe. And I'm going to encourage myself and everybody who has the opportunity to make dua between the adhan and the ikama. So instead of uh, going to the masjid uh, at the normal time that you would go, go five minutes earlier, go six minutes earlier, pray two rakats before the, the actual fadl salat and extend 
the prayer, extend the dua for your brothers and sisters in sujood, which is also between the adhan and the ikama. So looking for those times when it's more likely for your dua to be accepted. And obviously the last third of the night is one of those times as our Prophet informed us and encouraged us. Sheikh, Jazakallah khair for that. I think a question that and I'm seeing it already in the chat and I know that it's a, it's, it's a major question. People want to make a sincere dua. When can they make dua in their own language in those times that you mentioned uh, versus the times that it has to be in Arabic? So Farud Salah, Nafir Salah, Sujood, the end of Salah, Witr, Qunut. Um, that's, a, that's a question that comes up frequently. And um, love if you could enlighten us on some of the differences of opinion and how people should maybe navigate that. Alhamdulillah. So I don't want to go too much into the difference of opinion. What I would say is that any dua that is going to be out loud, uh, so for example, in the Qunut, then that dua should stay in the Arabic language for those who have the ability to do so. And that's it's interesting that many of the contemporary scholars, uh, because of the spread of Islam to so many lands where people are not learning and speaking the Arabic language. And they have been asked this question. In fact, uh, the one time that I got to ask Sheikh uh, Uthaymin a question, maybe in 1998, I believe, when he was in Medina, I actually asked him this question because it was a question that came from the States. Mm. I asked the Sheikh, is it permissible to make dua in English, in the English language, in sujood, in the salat? And he said, and he said, even if you do it in Chinese. And in other words, it's fine to make dua in any language uh, while you're in your salat, uh, even in sujood. However, like I said, with kunut and in in those duas that are going to be out loud, which is different than the dua that you're going to do in your sujood and before you do the teslim, uh, that one is preferable to keep that in the Arabic language, and especially if you are in jama'ah. Uh, so this takes us back to the question I forgot the answer that you asked, which was about the Nazila. And should we be doing Kunut and Nazila? There's no doubt about that this is a Nazila, that this is a... So what do we mean by uh, a Nazila? Well, it's often translated as a, a contemporary issue, but let's just call it a contemporary difficulty, a hardship that the Ummah uh, is dealing with. And so... Uh, it is legislated to make the nazila, and you can do it in all five salawat. Uh, obviously, if the imam uh, is leading the salah, there are people behind them. Again, we would choose somebody who can do that in the Arabic language. Because, and I'm, I'm just, uh, just to take it a step further, there are some of the ulama of Islam, and from what I remember, the Malikiyah, are particularly strict on this issue of not making dua in uh, other than the Arabic language. And so when it's done out loud, stay away from uh, using other than Arabic. So between the Farad and the Nafil, it's okay. It doesn't matter if, if in their sujood, our brothers and sisters can, can use any language. Correct. That is the opinion that I hold to be correct and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Um, and subhanAllah, I think that that, that comes of, of ease to a lot of people because many people want to make dua sincerely from their heart and they're just not they're not there yet when it comes to the Arabic language and being able to uh, to do so. So Jazakallah Khair, Sheikh. Sheikh, so, yeah, I, I just want to go back to this point. SubhanAllah, uh, 
Allah Azza wa Jal has created us from various nations and tribes and peoples. And not everybody is going to learn the Arabic language. Yes, there's a portion that we have to learn in order for our salat to be signed, like Surah Al-Fatiha, other surahs from the Quran. And that's never going to change. But the reality is, is as I mentioned before, calling upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sincerely from your heart may require even learners of the Arabic language to sometimes not say it in Arabic because it doesn't come easy in Arabic and it's not something that that they can figure out how to say in Arabic because it's from their heart, subhanAllah. And with that being the case, if that comes out in sujood, then so be it, bi'ibnillah. You know, Shaykh, subhanAllah, before I, I kind of ask you about the specific du'as, man, when, when you're watching uh, the du'as of the old illiterate women in Gaza, some of them actually can't read and write, right? And their du'as, even from an Arabic perspective, they're not fusha, right? They're it's falahi, you know, mm -hmm. uh, the countryside, Palestinian, very specific um, Gazan dialect. And they are so beautiful. I mean, I'm listening to it and I'm shook. And I'm like, I can't imagine what that khalto's dua, what that uh, old woman's dua is is doing to the heavens right now, subhanAllah. It's because you can you can see it. I mean, what do you say about an 85-year-old woman that buried all of her children and grandchildren and has absolutely no person with her that's on a sidewalk and says, I'm not leaving here, and just says, you know, in, in, in the most, in, in the most uh, you know, pure way, you know, that, oh, Allah, you know, give me patience, give me victory over these people. I'm not going anywhere. You know, Ya Rabbi Thabitni. Bas. And it's like, you know, they're saying stuff like that's so just pure. And it's not colloquial Arabic. It's not fusha. It's not scripted. But subhanAllah, you, you see it and it is, it's deeply moving and deeply inspiring. And um, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless them. Again, they're, they're, they're giving us an example uh, in, their, in their very being, um, you know, in the way that they're carrying themselves uh, in these moments. So, Shaykh, with that, inshallah ta'ala, I'm going to ask you to um, share with us five du'as um, that you could be making right now for Palestine. What are five du'as? And, and, I'll, and I'll preface that part with saying that, you know, one of the beauties, I think, of the Sunnah of the Prophet, uh, the du'as from the Sunnah of the Prophet, the specific ones, is that sometimes it actually gives us something to say when we don't know what to say. Because sometimes, you know, you're just... You're tongue-tied, not because you don't know, you, you're not you're not attentive with your heart, but because you just don't know the right words, and you find that uh, the Sunnah has the perfect words, <laughs> Subhanallah, and and an even more perfect reward, right? It's, it's sort of like Raditu billahi rabba wa bil Islami dina wa bi Muhammadin sallallahu alaihi wasallam Like, what a, what what a what a beautiful expression. Allahumma ma asbah bi min nirmatin aw bi ahad min khalqik. These like. These are words that are so perfect in their expression and the reward is even is even greater. So what are five du'as that we can learn from the Qur'an, from the Sunnah, from the Salaf, uh, from our pious predecessors um, to maybe help us, inshallah ta'ala, and then we can springboard into our own personal du'as for our brothers and sisters in Palestine. Mutaz, Mutaz. I, I, I really like the way you preface that um, because sometimes we don't know what to say, you know, um, and... Uh, I was going to recall a personal incident, but I'll, I'll leave that, inshallah, it's something we can talk about later. But uh, so the first du'a. Sheikh, you already said it, so now you got to recall it. 
Yeah, it's up to you. No pressure. But, you know. Listen, I, I I remember some years ago we were on out of it, and uh-huh. um, you know, and I think I think we had an you know an experience where you know think about it. You know, the Prophet Salatullah was making du'a from from after Dhuhr, I mean, you know, combined Dhuhr and Nasr, all the way up until Maghrib. So you're talking, you know, six hours or, or thereabout, right? It's like, how do you make du'a for six hours? And I, I remember uh, I remember something that was, you know, advice that was given to, to our group. And mm-hmm. we just said, look, ask Allah, just tell Allah, you don't know what to say, help me, help me say it. You know, you could just see the difference that that little advice be, you know, of asking Allah to help you say what needs to be said, you know, like even that, even that, like, I don't know what to say, but help me say it, you know, because you know what you're feeling in your heart, right? SubhanAllah. Um, so that was the, uh, the, the unpersonal version of that personal story. Uh, so, so the first dua, inshallah, is from the Quran. Um, and it is a dua for perseverance, uh, for firmness, for victory, and for death upon Islam. And, and so we're going to, uh, I'll mention inshallah, and, and Sheikh, please, after I uh, mention these duas and just a brief explanation, I'd like you to jump in on, on each one, uh, just to, to share whatever thoughts Allah uh, allows you to come up with. So, the, the the first dua uh, that we'll mention is found in Surah Al-Baqarah, uh, and it is Rabbana Afrig Alayna Sabaran. Okay, so this is how the dua comes in Surah Al-Baqarah, right? Rabbana Afrig Alayna Sabaran, Wathabit Aqdamana, Wasunna, Ala Qawmi Kafirin. So it's, it's, oh Allah, pour upon us sabr and make our feet firm and grant us victory over the disbelieving people. Now, uh, you're going to change that because you're not making the dua for yourself, right? And so instead of Rabbana afrig alayna sabran, you're gonna say Rabbana or Allahumma if you like, afrig alayhim, instead of alayna, instead of upon us, عليهم صبرا وثبت أقدامهم ونصرهم على القوم الكافرين. Right. So you're just changing the na, which is uh, us, to whom, which is them. Now, interestingly enough, يعني, it is it is not. يعني, as many of the scholars of Islam mentioned, there's a daif hadith about this. It is not from the Sunnah to ask Allah for sabr initially. But only after the calamity has befallen is at that point you're asking Allah Azawajal for sabr, for perseverance. This, this dua, Rabbana Afrig Alayna Sabra, also comes in Surah Al A'raf when Fir'aun is telling uh, the sorcerers who at this point now believed in Musa and had accepted Islam, like immediately, right? SubhanAllah. And then he's now threatening them with crucifixion, yani imminent death, mm-hmm. imminent death. At that point, they said, Rabbana afrig alayna sabra wa tawaffana muslimin. Mm-hmm. Oh Allah, uh, pour upon us your, uh, your sabr, or pour upon us sabr 
and allow us to die as Muslims. And so, subhanAllah, you know, when you see a situation where death looks imminent uh, it, upon some people, and you want to make dua for them, Rabbana alayhim sabran that dying upon Islam, Yusuf made that same dua, right? Cause me to die as a Muslim and allow me to join the company of the righteous. And we hear in every Salat al Jum'ah just about, and when the Imam is saying, Khutbatul Haja, and don't die except in the state of Islam. So if you want to, I mean, this is actually two different du'as, but uh, we can look at it as, as one in the sense of giving them sabr. And this is important. They are going to need to persevere. Those from amongst them that are directly uh, facing uh, some kind of enemy force and also uh, just the rebuilding their lives after this calamity is uh, lifted from them bi-idhnillahi ta'ala. So again, رَبَّنَا أَفْرِغْ عَلَيْهِمْ صَبْرًا وَثَبِّتْ أَقْدَامَهُمْ وَانْصُرْهُمْ عَلَى الْقَوْمِ الْكَافِرِينَ That is the dua. That's the first dua, inshallah. Zakallah khair. So again, رَبَّنَا أَفْرِغْ عَلَيْهِمْ صَبْرًا وَثَبِّتْ أَقْدَامَهُمْ وَانْصُرْهُمْ عَلَى الْقَوْمِ الْكَافِرِينَ So, O Allah, and again, people can say this in English, inshallah ta'ala as well, right? So, O Allah, pour upon them patience and make their feet firm and grant them victory over a disbelieving people. SubhanAllah, Shaykh, one of the things about that, this ayah, and, and you actually um, you actually did allude to this, which is really important. You know, the, the hadith of you've asked Allah for al-bala, uh, ask Allah for al-afiyah instead, ask Allah to be spared. So before a calamity strikes, you ask Allah to be spared. After the calamity strikes, you ask Allah for sabr, correct? You ask Allah for patience. No. And in this regard, um, I think what's what's really beautiful, what stands out to me about this particular ayah, uh, when Allah mentions thabbit aqdamana, make the feet firm, the scholars of tafsir mentioned that that is through the tranquility of the heart. So I think about you know like a malfunctioning exterior, if the battery is off or if the you know the engine is not proper, then the exterior starts to move funny, um, and. You know, I think the scholars of tafsir speak about it in that way that if Allah solidifies the heart, puts that tranquility, makes the heart mutma'in, uh, gives it that tranquility, then the feet naturally become firm. Then a person becomes steadfast as a result. So it's like the the sabr is being poured upon you. It's on the outside, it's being descended upon you. And then the heart is being made firm and tranquil. I also think of the hadith of the Prophet where he mentions uh, that no group of people uh, gather uh, in the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala except that uh, the angels surround them, that tranquility descends upon them, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions them uh, with those that are with him. So the idea of ar-rahma, that a sakina comes down upon them. So it's like the angels surround them and then the sakina, the tranquility comes into, uh, you know, into them. Um, and so I think that there is a common theme there that we find from the Quran and from the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, that Allah surrounds and then penetrates if we make dua uh, properly in that regard. Allah Ta'ala. Zakallah khair. Zakallah khair. The second dua is one that I don't know that many people may even be thinking about uh, for uh, the people of Palestine. 
Um, but it's it's interesting because it's the dua that Anas said that the Prophet used to make the most and he would make this dua in his sujood. And it is the shi'ar of tawaf, mm. right? And that is, we would normally make this dua for ourselves, right? But we should be making that dua for our brothers and sisters in Islam. Wallahi, wallahi, as Sheikh Omar already mentioned, and even the difficulties that they're going through, if Allah puts the tranquility in their heart, and there are other people who have easy lives, but, but no tranquility in their heart. Who has hasana in this dunya in, in that sense, subhanAllah? So the, even, though, even though you may look at it from the outside and may not be able to fully fathom what's going on, make dua that Allah give them good in this life because wallahi, what Allah chooses for them in terms of good and in, in that whole comprehensive term of what is khair or rabbana atim that is much better than anything that we could conjure up uh, from our own minds. So, Allah give them the good of this life and the good of the next life. Save them from the punishment of the fire. That's the second dua. And that dua is so comprehensive. It would take... I mean, a very long time to explain. But one of the things that's interesting is that there was a man who went to the Prophet وسلم, and he said to him, and I don't know how to hum like you and Mu'ad know how to hum. Sometimes if you, maybe even sometimes when you're sitting next to somebody and, they, and they're doing dhikr and saying, subhanAllah, 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 alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. It might just sound like they're, hmm, like they're humming, right? And so this is what dandana is. So, so the man says to the Prophet, I don't know how to hum like you and Mu'ad know how to hum. Yani you, you guys, mashallah, you make a lot of dua. I don't know how to do that. But I ask Allah, I ask Allah for Jannah. And I seek refuge with him from the fire. The Prophet وسلم, said to him, This is what Mu'ad and I are humming about. So, subhanAllah, Allah gives them Jannah and saves them from the punishment of the fire. The person who faced the most difficult life, the person who had it worst, the most impoverished, the one who faced all types of difficulties in this life, the one who had it the worst. The Prophet mentioned that he will be dipped in Jannah one time. Dip. I'm And it will it will be said to him, How I Tibet Did you ever have any problems? It's not. I don't, I don't, I don't remember. I didn't have anything. I never I never faced any problems. Just one dip. You know, uh subhanAllah, a couple months ago, I was with a brother uh at, at a dinner table. And um uh there were there were six of us. And this brother had just done 48 years in prison. And he thought that he was never coming home, right? He, he didn't expect to ever get out of prison. And so uh, at this point, he was in his, he's now in his early 70s. And like I said, this was a couple months ago. And we were sitting at that dinner table. He had, he had been out for five or six days. And he was enjoying the brotherhood so much. 
uh, enjoying the good food. And he said, SubhanAllah, you know, he said, I've only been out for five days, but I, I don't feel like I served any time. So I don't, I don't, I don't even feel like I was in prison. Hmm. 48 years of his life. And just that experience of that uhua, that, that brotherhood and, you know, having some good food. And, and he, he said, I, I don't feel like I ever, I was, I was ever in prison. I immediately thought of that hadith about being dipped in Jannah. SubhanAllah. And so, we have to realize that the difficulties that we face in this life and people are going to face different levels of difficulty, but if they get Jannah and they're saved from the fire, then they are truly successful. Whoever is distanced from the fire and entered into Jannah, then that person has succeeded. Not only is it the most comprehensive dua, but like it reminds me of the the incident where the young man was making dua, oh Allah, whatever it is that you were going to punish me with in the hereafter, then hasten it for me in this dunya. And the Prophet said, subhanAllah, you would not be able to handle that. Instead say, Rabbana, Allahumma Rabbana atina fi dunya hasna fi al-akhirati hasna wa qina adab al-nar. And, and I think that's like a lot of people watch what's happening to the people of Gaza and they think this is unbearable. But Allah does not give anyone the unbearable. And one dip in Jannah, and all of it is forgotten. So I think it's it's just such an incredible dua. It's comprehensive and it's so fitting right now because people are like, how much more? How much more, right? How much more can, can these people possibly suffer? And in how many different ways can they suffer? And it's, it's just a profound thought that... Every single one of those children in Gaza with a dip in Jannah will forget the suffocation of this world and the cruelty that was shown to them. So we have Rabbana Afriq alayhim sabran wa thabbit aqdamahum ansurhum ala al-qawm al-kafirin. We have Rabbana atihim fi dunya hasana wa fi al-akhirati hasana wa qihim adab al-nar. Uh, Shaykh, what is your third dua to share? So, so those are the two duas from the Quran. Going to do two du'as from the Sunnah of the Prophet as well, and so the the next du'a, the third du'a, which is the first from the Sunnah of the Prophet is uh, taken from the du'a that the Prophet would make every morning and every evening, according to Ibn Umar And part of that du'a, so we're going to take part of that du'a. Allah awratihim wa amin so if we could say more but I think we can we can stick to that so this is the the, the prophet son would make this dua for himself we're just changing it so that it is a dua for them so Allah oh Allah conceal their awrat awrat the things that you that it could be translated as faults, but it's things that you that you don't want others to see. It's your aura. It's it's things that should be covered, concealed, and protected. And Subhanallah, this is this is deep because uh, there are other meanings, and other implications that this may have for the Muslims as a whole. Right? That those things, even the holes that we may have, things that we want to be concealed, but they remain concealed. Allah mustura aura to him. Wa amin. Him. And 
make secure, make them feel secure from those things that would normally scare them. وَآمِنْ رَوْعَاتِهِمْ وَحْفَظْهُمْ and protect them مِنْ بَيْنِ أَيْدِيهِمْ وَمِنْ خَلْفِهِمْ وَعِنْ أَيْمَانِهِمْ وَعِنْ شَمَائِلِهِمْ and protect them from in front of them and from behind them and from their right sides and their left sides وَمِنْ فَوْقِهِمْ and from above them. And you can add وَنَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ أَنْ يُتَالُوا مِنْ تَحْتِهِمْ and we also seek refuge with Allah that they will be swallowed from beneath them. This hadith. Now, repeat it slowly, inshallah, and I think the team will write it, put it in the chat, inshallah, and then we'll compile them, inshallah. You said you said you you're going to repeat it slowly, Shaykh? No, no. If you if you can repeat it first, slowly, Shaykh. Okay. So you want to say Allahumma ustur. So when when you put it together, you say Allahumma ustur. Auratihim. وَآمِنْ رَوْعَاتِهِمْ right, So that part there is, you're asking for sitr. Oh Allah, conceal, cover their faults. Cover what may bring them shame. وَآمِنْ رَوْعَاتِهِمْ آمِنْ is to, to bring security, to make them feel secure. رَوْعَاتِهِمْ are those things that would normally scare them. So keep them secure, keep them safe from those things that would normally scare them. Wahfadhum and protect them. Mimbaini aidihim from in front of them. Wamin khalfihim and from behind them. Wa'an aimanihim, their right sides. Wa'an shama'ilihim. Their left sides, women folky him and from above them. SubhanAllah, that's so fitting. No, no, that's it. That's it. That's good. Allah, you better take him to Zakam Allah Khaira. So Allah must rati him, Waman rati him, Wafal home, then Baini Aidi him, women Khalfi him, Wan Aimani him, Wan Shama Idi him, women folky him. May Allah Azza protect them from every direction. And SubhanAllah, it's it's amazing because it's from Afkar al-Sabah It's from the morning and evening remembrances that we make for ourselves. But how many of us even feel threatened from in front of us and behind us and right and left and above us and, and, and under us? Um, and our people in Gaza are, are literally uh, facing hostility uh, from an ins, from human beings, uh, from every one of those directions. Allahumma ameen. Jazakallah khair, Shaykh. So your fourth dua, Shaykhna? The, the fourth is also from the Sunnah of the Prophet وسلم, from the Hadith of Ibn Abi Awfa when the Prophet وسلم, actually was uh, about to face the enemy. And the Prophet وسلم, and many of you may know this Hadith, we said, Don't wish to meet your enemy, right? But if you do, if you do, then be patient and to the end of the Hadith. And what the Prophet وسلم, the dua that he made at that time, it has two different uh, versions that I'm aware of in Bukhari and Muslim. Uh, I combined those versions, inshallah ta'ala, um, uh, just so that we would have a, a comprehensive dua from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam here. So what he says sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was, Allahumma munzil al-kitab, suri'a al-hisab, wa mujriya al-sihab, wa hazim al-ahzab, ihzihim, wa zalzilhum, 
This was the dua of the Prophet sallallahu as it comes from Bukhari and Muslim. And all of these uh, uh, al-fal, the, the exact wording is from both Bukhari and Muslim. So the Prophet sallallahu said, Allahumma munzil al-kitab. Oh Allah, the one who has sent down the book, the revealer of that holy book. Sari al-hisab, the, the one who is quick in reckoning, quick to take to account, swift at reckoning, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wa mujri al-sahab, the disperser of the clouds. Wa hazim al-ahzab, the defeater of the ahzab. Now the ahzab at the time of the Prophet was, was talking about those, uh, what they call the confederates, right? Those different tribes along with some other people uh, who I'm not going to mention right now, who came together uh, to fight against the, the Prophet ﷺ, some of them uh, being treacherous and breaking the treaty with the Prophet ﷺ. So, so we can use that same language because they had people coming together to, to uh, I mean, hurt our brothers and sisters and to exterminate them. We ask Allah that Allah uh, prevents their uh, their treachery and, and, and prevents their, their plot from becoming a reality. So he says, The one who causes the disperser of the clouds and the one who defeated or the defeater of the confederates he says, and he defeat them. Oh, subhanAllah. Looks like we uh, we lost the Sheikh uh, temporarily. Inshallah ta'ala, he'll uh, come back. Uh, so what the Sheikh was mentioning, um, subhanAllah, one of the things about this powerful dua, munzil al-kitab, Allah Azawajal sent down the book and he is Sari al-Hisab. He is swift to hold us to account as a result of that. And then Mujri al-Sihab, Allah Azawajal, you know, obviously gathers. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Hazim al-Ahzab. Allah Azawajal defeats the Confederates, defeats the different uh, tribes, the different armies that come together uh, to hurt us. One of the things that I reflect on with that du'a is that the first two are connected and the second two are connected. So, Munzil al-Kitab and Sari'a al-Hisab. Allah reveals the book and then he holds you accountable. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, gathers and then Allah defeats. So, Allah collects and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala destroys. So, it shows Allah's complete power to give and to take. And I think this is a, a very um, common way in which we are taught about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? Right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives and Allah withholds. Allah gathers and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala causes to dissipate. Uh, Shaykhna, you're back. Alhamdulillah. So, so, so the, the, the last part is Ihzihim. Subhanallah. Inshallah. So, inshallah, ta'ala, uh, I hope that Sheikh will uh, be back. We're obviously having connection issues. Bismillah, Sheikh. <laughs> Maybe this is the one where they're watching. Allah huh? <laughs> <laughs> Allah 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 Allah
says, defeat them, shake them, right? And give us victory uh, upon them. And, and I would, you know, I would leave that like that because this is us, right? This is us. Seems like uh, that's the one. Sheikh's internet is uh, going in and out. Alhamdulillah. I think um, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions, uh, you know, uh, or when the Prophet in this regard mentions to us, Zalzilhum, uh, right, to shake them. Ihzihim wa Zalzilhum. Um, this is actually very powerful because when you think about what they take away from us and the harm that we feel in these moments, subhanAllah, qatlana fil jannah, our dead are in paradise, your dead are in hellfire. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the believers that came before. That they were shaken, that they faced deep trials, but their trials were different and their outcome is different. So when we are tested, the outcome is reward because we are believers. When they are punished, the outcome is only further punishment. Uh, so Sheikh, uh, Bismillah, we got to make dua for your internet right now too. So everyone... It's not the internet, actually. The camera got hot. But, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> it, was, it was feeling that dua, mashallah. Allah. Well, um, <laughs> the... Um, the, the, the last one that we'll mention is um, a, a very, very important dua from one of the great scholars of Islam, the Tabi'i, Sa'id ibn Jubair, rahimahullah ta'ala, from the great students of Ibn Abbas, radiallahu ta'ala, and Huma. And Sa'id ibn Jubair died in the year 95 uh, after the hijrah of the Prophet, And this dua is a dua we should make for ourselves. Uh, and also make for our brothers and sisters in Palestine. And the dua that he used to make was, Allahumma inni asaluka sidqa tawakkuli alayk wa husna dhanni bik. Allah, I ask you for true reliance upon you and for good thoughts about you. Allah, Allah bless me to have good thoughts. Bless me to have a good opinion about you. And so the way that we can make that dua for our brothers and sisters is Allahumma rzuquhum, right? Allahumma rzuquhum sidqat tawakkuli alayk wa husna dhanni bik. Allah grant them uh, true reliance upon you and good thoughts about you. And we all need that at this time. You know, Allah uh, says in the Hadith Al-Qudsi, right? I am as my servant expects of me. I, I am to him what he thinks about me. And subhanAllah, you know, Sheikh Omar, you mentioned about, uh, you know, the Khal the, the in Palestine. Yani they're there. They're just making dua. They're saying Alhamdulillah. And it's, it doesn't feel forced. They're, like they're really saying Alhamdulillah. And I'm also witnessing, you know, from friends and colleagues on that side, uh, similar responses. And you're just saying, subhanAllah, Allah is really blessing them because it's coming off their tongue very easily. Like you said, it's not forced. And that's because they have a good opinion about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, many of us may go through this vicarious suffering, 
right? And that's real. Uh, I'm not making light of that. But sometimes we make ourselves suffer even worse than the people who are actually going through what we are uh, looking at and, and what we are suffering from vicariously. But their experience is very different than ours. And they are truly, you know, close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and having very good thoughts about Allah and having that husnadlan. And the Prophet also told us, let not one of you die, right? Except that he has good thoughts about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that command not to die, uh, except that A, B, or C, is actually a command to live that way because we don't know when we're going to die. So it's as if the Prophet is saying, always have this, like always have these good thoughts about Allah. And so it is through those good thoughts that we have our, you know, that we put our trust upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that we, that we rely upon him subhanahu wa ta'ala and put our trust in him. And so asking Allah for that is very important for us, like for our own selves as we witness what is happening. And also that we ask Allah to grant them true reliance upon him and good thoughts about him. Uh, oh Allah, grant them uh, true um, trust or reliance upon you and a good opinion of you. Uh, Sheikh, if I could ask you, if your camera will allow, can you can you just match, can you read all five of those du'as, inshallah ta'ala, just uh, in, in one sequence, if you don't mind? And that way sure. people can, yeah, bismillah. Sure, bismillah. So uh, the first of them is, Rabbana afrigh alayhim sabra وَثَبِّتْ أَقْدَامَهُمْ وَانْصُرْهُمْ عَلَى الْقَوْمِ الْكَافِرِينَ The second is رَبَّنَا آتِهِمْ فِي الدُّنْيَا حَسَنًا وَفِي الْآخِرَةِ حَسَنًا وَقِهِمْ عَذَابَ النَّارِ The third is اللهم استر عوراتهم وآمن رواعاتهم واحفظهم من بين أيديهم ومن خلفهم وعن أيمانهم وعن شمائلهم the fourth of those du'as is not one that I actually memorized, so I want to read it. Allahumma munzil al-kitab, suriya al-hisab, wa mujiri al-sahab, wa hazim al-ahzab, ihzihim, wa zalzilhum, wa alayhim. And the last of those du'as is Allahumma razuquhum sidqa tawakkuli alayk wa husna al-thanni bik. Allahumma alayk Allahumma ameen. So inshallah ta'ala, for those of you that are tuning in, um, and we're going to share a few more reflections, take some questions, inshallah. Um, so we'll put out a blog post tomorrow, inshallah ta'ala, on Yaqeen's website uh, with these five du'as, inshallah, and their translations. Also, if you're not signed up to the email list, if uh, whoever is managing, moderating right now the Yaqeen uh, handle, just please put in how to register, uh, sign up to the email list, inshallah ta'ala. Then, um, you know, inshallah, you can always have these... Uh, these things sent to you, Bidnanahi Ta'ala. Sheikh Tahir's camera just decided to tap out again. Um, and inshallah ta'ala, with that, um, you know, I just want to share a uh, few final thoughts, Bidnanahi Ta'ala. Hopefully, Sheikh Tahir will come back in. We'll get to some of the questions, inshallah ta'ala, as well that, that some of you are sending in. Look, uh, now is a time where we need to teach ourselves how to make dua and we need to teach our families how to make dua and teach our communities how to make dua. Um, if this is the catalyst for you to start making more du'a, then let it be. 
if this is the way that you get emotional right now, al-inkisar as we learn from uh, the adab of our Prophet and the mannerism in which he used to make dua and of the righteous predecessors to be broken in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then let it be ta'ala. So this is a time, if this is the catalyst, then let it be. Teach your kids, you know, just if, if you have your family and, and you just sit and you make dua together, hey, let's do this, you know, um, however many times or whatever day or whatever night, not to single out a particular day or night, but just to say, let's let's make du'a together for our brothers and sisters in Gaza. But let this be your catalyst, inshallah ta'ala. Let this be our catalyst uh, to have that that turning back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we need uh, to have in the night ta'ala. And inshallah ta'ala, um, with that, uh, we will get to um, some of the questions. Uh, Shaykh, if you don't mind, I'll take the first question because it's directed towards me in particular. Um, and then I'll, I'll probably ask you some of these questions, but feel free to, to weigh in on, on this as well. Uh, there's a question that's towards me about uh, global day of fasting. Is it permissible to do a global day of fasting? Um, you know, or is this bid'ah? So doing a global day of fasting for Palestine, is it still wrong? So I'll take a step back, inshallah ta'ala, and it showed up a few times there. And I'll just say, first and foremost, um, no energy right now to fight the Muslims or fight people online. So please don't fight each other, inshallah, over these things. Uh, we clarify and we uh, we try to do what's best. So when it comes to fasting, um, there is no such thing as fasting for Palestine or Qiyam for Palestine, right? Or these, uh, or reading Quran for Palestine, Um the only thing that uh, would be, inshallah ta'ala, I think good is for us to revive the sunnah these days of fasting Mondays and Thursdays at some times. And of course, the dua of a fasting person is accepted, inshallah ta'ala. And so a person can make dua in the uh, time before Maghrib uh, and they can uh, make dua. There's also a question here about Umrah for Palestine. So we, we should encourage the sunnah in general. You fast for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Mondays and Thursdays. Uh, but there is no fasting uh, for Palestine. Um, I'll just mention this because I think it actually shows the pure heartedness. Uh, there was a Muslim moms group that actually started uh, a global day of fasting for Palestine. And they had reached out and um, to someone from, uh, you know, from, from my team and asked to share it on a story. Um, and when I saw that the way that it could be misunderstood or the misframing of it, it was taken down. And then we had a conversation, you know, some sisters that wanted to do something good and the encouragement should be fast for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Mondays, Thursdays, the three days of the week, uh, the three days of the month, sorry, and make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at that time, as you should at any time, inshallah ta'ala, uh, qiyam, qiyam should be for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it wouldn't be qiyam for Palestine. But if there are times, inshallah ta'ala, things that encourage us to uh, wake up and pray in the end of the night, then obviously that is a blessed time to make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in qiyamul layl. Likewise, sending salawat on the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, doing dhikr, uh, making umrah, all of these uh, affairs of worship, then they should be done in accordance with the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And there's no such thing as a solidarity fast, a solidarity prayer, or whatever it is, it's simply prayer and fasting. And we should encourage ourselves to be the best that we can and to also make dua, inshallah ta'ala, 
you know, for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and uh, in a way, inshallah ta'ala, that uplifts our brothers and sisters uh, in Palestine. So Umrah for Palestine, you, know, you do Umrah inshallah ta'ala and when you do Umrah, make dua for your brothers and sisters. So you wouldn't dedicate your Umrah to your brothers and sisters in Palestine. Uh, you would make uh, Umrah inshallah ta'ala for yourself or whoever you're doing Umrah on behalf of and then make dua for your brothers and sisters. Uh, in tawaf inshallah ta'ala and again just please be uh, patient with your brothers and sisters inshallah ta'ala people are trying to do the right thing inshallah ta'ala so if you see something uh, where you know uh, I was I was doing khutbah yesterday and, and Masjid volunteer put out an announcement said twice the reward for praying behind Sheikh Omar Suleiman and uh, for standing in solidarity with your brothers and sisters in Palestine I guarantee you that that volunteer, nor myself, uh, believe that praying behind me gives you twice the reward. It was obviously a good intention just to say, pray Jum'ah, and inshallah ta'ala also uh, do something for your brothers and sisters in Palestine. So this is, I think, an important time for us to uh, obviously insist on as many ibadat as possible, as many of the acts of worship as possible from the sunnah, and then in that process make dua for our brothers and sisters in Palestine. So again, Fast Mondays and Thursdays if you can, inshallah ta'ala. Uh, and make dua for your brothers and sisters in Palestine. It's a sunnah to fast those days. And then make dua, obviously, for your brothers and sisters in Palestine and other places. Pray tahajjud if you can, inshallah ta'ala. Pray salatul duha, like Sheikh Tahir said. Let that, be, let that be a catalyst, inshallah ta'ala, in which you can uh, really push yourself to make dua, inshallah ta'ala. And uh, we ask Allah Azza wa Jal to, to guide us to that, which is, which is beneficial, inshallah. Sheikh, do you want to share anything on that? Oh, I, I think you answered that very well. Jazakallah khair. Um, question. Can you go into... Oh, can you go into... So uh, this is an interesting question. Can you go into sujood without prayer for the sake of dua? So you mentioned making dua, facing the qibla, making wudu, and then facing the qibla and making dua. So can someone go into sujood? Uh, Al-Hadha ibn Hajar in Fath al-Bari uh, actually discusses this issue along with, I mean, obviously there's other scholars from us, ulama. But other than where the Prophet وسلم, uh, specified that sujood uh, could be made without salat, so sajda to shukr and sajda to tilawa, just making, uh, that is the, the sujood that one would make uh, for appreciation to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so thanking Allah, or sujood tilawa so you're reciting the Quran and there's a such a place. Uh, other other than that, um, uh, you would you, there is no I'm just going to go into sujood to to make dua, right? That is not something that is known from the Sunnah of the Prophet I was saying or any or any of the companions without being in salat first, meaning that you that you are praying, and then when you get to uh, the sujood, the position of sujood, that you would prolong it and make dua. So there's sajda to shukur, but there which is a, a prostration of gratitude. Which, which which is not preceded by salat. That's my point, right? That, Got that there's no that you can just go into sajda. Now obviously there are some of the ulama that say that you have to do takbir first and that you have to be in uh in a state of purification. But other scholars say no. That the point is that there's no that it's not preceded by uh, uh, standing and reciting Quran and then making rukur and semi-alaghim and hamida and then going down to sujood. That that was that's the point. All right, Sheikh Thar, I'm going to put you on the spot. 
Luqman Rashid asks, will you do a series on how to use the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Oh boy, he must work for Yaqeen or something. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know Luqman Rashid, but uh, uh, Yaqeen, but. Nasallah Azza wa Jal, and you yassira lana dalik, when you jalahu hai, what you he nafi and the ibadi. And also, how to make that easy and make it sincerely for his plate, for his face, and beneficial to his servants. I mean, Sheikh, on that note, what are some names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, particularly when people are calling upon Allah in this moment that just immediately come to your heart and your mind? That they so subhanallah, subhanallah, any name related to Allah's Rahmah, whether that's uh, or, or his Rahman, Rahim, Al-Wadud, Al-Latif, yani for, for certain parts of the dua, when we're making dua for them. Uh, uh, when you're making dua for victory and nasr, I'm thinking al-qawi, al-aziz, al-qawi and al-aziz. And al-aziz, especially, subhanAllah, uh, reading about that name and the difference, the subtle difference between al-aziz and al-qawi, because al-aziz in the Quran is usually used when Allah Azawajal is talking about, I find not usually, but let's just say that the subtle difference between al-aziz and al-qawi, so Al-Aziz, mighty and honorable, Al-Qawi, strong. So you might look at might and strength as being the same thing, but there is a subtle difference. Al-Aziz is usually used when Allah is talking about aiding his righteous mm-hmm. servants from the NBA and other than them. SubhanAllah, there's something about the name of Al-Jabbar. It is such a profound and comprehensive name. SubhanAllah. So when you say al Jabbar. For two reasons, reasons when you think of Jabbar. Because there's the there's the one that comes to most people's mind, which which is that indicative of that strength and overpowering, right? Then there's also the other side, because of Jabbar is also the the the, the mender, right? Al Al Jabr to mend something, to to heal that wound, to bring that subhanAllah. Al-Jabira, right, which is a cast, which is worn when, when somebody breaks a bone to help keep it straight so that the bone can, can mend back, right? That concept of Al-Jabir in that sense of, of like I said, healing, even though it's different than Shadi, but, but bringing things together and mending them back, fixing them, fixing them, in fact, right? Yeah. Um, which, which, is, which is in between the, the Sajdatayn, when, when, between two sajdas, when, when you're in that sitting prostration, say, Allahumma khilli warhamni wajburni, right? Wa'afini warzukni, right? Allahumma khilli warhamni, Allah, forgive me, have mercy on me, wajburni, fix me, fix me, like I'm broken, fix me, wajburni, wa'afini warzukni, and give me well being and provide for me. So I think a question here, and inshallah, we'll just maybe do two more and then we'll, we'll close it out with the dua. I think it's appropriate, Sheikh. Uh, yeah, I, I, I appreciate you. Because honestly, subhanAllah, I'm just I'm just telling you, for me, sincerely, it is it is your dua that will close us out today. JazakAllah khair. So go ahead. <laughs> so uh, to the masjid, right? So may Allah bless, um, you know, again, some of the brothers, sisters that have, you know, corrected and and advised and said, you know, look, you know, the masjid should maybe host a program, frame it this way. And, you know, a group of people should maybe host it this way. So a masjid wants to do a program for Palestine, a qiyam for Palestine. 
what advice do you kind of have for people? Like we're going to do a du'a for Palestine. Just any nasiha in that regard, um, you know, to where they can observe the sunnah, but not, um, but, uh, you know, obviously still do what they need to do, but at the same time, not, not. Uh, so, so if I'm understanding, if I'm understanding correctly, then the question is asking about a qiyam as in qiyam al-layl, like in the last right. third of or, or like what would normally be held in Ramadan. Right. So again, uh, I, I don't, I would actually prefer, and, and I know this is going to sound like I'm kicking the can, but I would actually prefer that the people ask their local mashayikh and ulama about these issues because when there are difference of opinion amongst the scholars. So now what's happening is we're talking about congregating, right, for an ibadah that we would normally not congregate for like yeah. yam outside of Ramadan. Some of the scholars actually say that that's permissible as long as it's not done for a specific uh, time. Like, so for example, we start making this like an E. We're gonna do this every single year on this same day. Uh, it, so, so some of the scholars say that that's permissible. Others say that it is not permissible because it is not known from the Prophet or any of the companions or the Tabi'in for that matter, that they would that they would gather at times of calamities to make dua or whatever, whatever uh, yeah, we're talking about here in terms of Qiyam. And for that reason, Sheikh, and I, I think this is important, Tawheed is Saf, yani, that there is that there is unity around certain issues, uh, that we are not divided. Uh, over things that are not as important as other things right now. And we're not talking about anything in the religion being trivial, uh, oh. but we are saying that there are priorities. Uh, and this historically, you can look at the fatal, the other matter from forever, okay, where when, when something else was a priority, this right here has to be put to the side and we can deal with that later. And what I'm saying is that it is very important for us, uh, even when we start talking about uh, a thabat and being firm and, and having our feet firm. Tawheed al-Saf is important, that, that, that we are one, that we, that we come together. So if there are scholars in a particular locale, a locale or there are students of knowledge who can get in contact with the scholars, then it's more appropriate that that happens than me answering uh, some type of question on the internet in a vacuum not knowing what that may cause amongst the people of a particular locale. And then they're fighting uh, or, or bickering or arguing when that doesn't need to be the case. So it is important that, that there's a level of uh, cooperation amongst the people in a particular area before something like that happens that may further split ranks for no reason. I think that's a, a wise answer and, and definitely one that, inshallah, ta'ala. We can all agree to. So the last thing I'll ask you, Sheikh, is a question here. Does it have to be facing Mecca? So when you make sujood, this back to that question on sujood, do they have to face Mecca when they make sujood? Well, because because sujood is legislated in the Salat and not outside of the Salat for the purpose of du'a, then you're going to be facing the Qibla anyway. You're going to be facing the Qibla while you're making the sujood because it is actually a part of your Salat and facing the Qibla is... Uh, a it is a condition for the validity of one's prayer any last words uh, just of advice for people I mean everything that you've uh, we've kept you for a long time even your camera's tapped out 
but any last words, Sheikh? I mean, I think, uh, you know, alhamdulillah, we benefited a lot from the, the beautiful du'as that you shared. Sheikh, I would just say that that the one that does not have cannot give. It is very important that we turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for ourselves at this time as well, that Allah gives us afiyah, that he gives us well-being, that we turn to him in dhikr and dua, and that we use this uh, as a catalyst to draw closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and prepare for what's next. Sometimes we get so caught up in the moment that we fail to look further down the line. It is important for us to be people who move intentionally, who are calculated in the way that we move. Our Prophet said, right? The strong one is not the one that can wrestle people to the ground. But the one that is really strong is the one that can control himself when he is angry. Again, this is not just about anger management. This is about not being reactionary. The Prophet mm-hmm. is telling us in this, it's not just about how you react to something. You think that you're strong and you, you're you going to re- reply, you know, you're going to respond a certain way. Like, the strong one is the one that's able to control himself. You think about what's happening. Calculate. Make sure that what we are doing is strategic. I think that as an ummah and especially those of us who are living in the West, especially for those living in America, because I know a little bit more about America than I do about the West as a whole, I think it's very important that there are some calculated strategic things that we do to, to strengthen our own unity, uh, to prepare for the next 10 to 20 years, for the next generation of us living uh, in this country. It is important that we fortify our youth, that we solidify our infrastructure, uh, and so on and so forth. I don't want to say too much more than that, Sheikh, but uh, I do think that it's important that we use this as an opportunity to draw closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by his beautiful names and lofty attributes to make us from amongst his righteous servants and to unite our ranks and to bring our uh, to bring victory to our brothers and sisters in Philistine. And um, before we make dua, you know, a lot of the questions are about other uh, subjects. So we are doing, alhamdulillah, a nightly session on this topic for now. Uh, it's going to continue at least for the next few days, inshallah ta'ala. So tune in every night at 8.30 Central, 9.30 Eastern, inshallah, where we address different uh, aspects of this bidnanahi ta'ala. And I wanted to actually, you know, just personally, um, someone passed away a few days ago, Sheikha. Her, her name was Sister Myra Ali. Uh, Sister Myra Ali was a sister that had a very rare skin condition. Um, it's like a butterfly condition, subhanAllah. I met her um, about 13 years ago in the United Kingdom. And literally, I, I, I was giving I was giving a talk about the the woman who had epilepsy in the time of the Prophet and asked the Prophet uh, to make dua for her. And the Prophet uh, you know, uh, essentially told her that I could make dua for you and you'd be cured. 
or uh, you could be patient, you would have Jannah. And she mentioned, you know, that she'd take Jannah, but at the same time, she asked the Prophet ﷺ to make dua that if it happens, she said, because when it happens at the Kashaf, my, my aura shows, I'm, I'm exposed, so can you make dua that I'm covered, subhanAllah, in that time of epilepsy. And I was talking about the difficult trials being a means of entering Jannah. And she came up to me after that talk 12, 13 years ago. And, um, you know, she was like, you know, talking about the rare diseases that she suffers from. And she's saying, you know, you're saying if I'm patient, I can have Jannah. You're saying if I'm patient, I can have Jannah. And she, her, her, uh, the condition was so severe that her, she actually lost her hand. Like it, she would peel away, subhanAllah. So she actually only had a, a little semblance of fingers by the end of it. Her skin was constantly shedding. And um, she uh, reached out to me. Uh, last week, I saw her on this last trip to the UK. She came to one of my talks and then she reached out last week and she said she got diagnosed with late stage can uh, of cancer and that she didn't know she was going to make it to December when I come out there. And, you know, I told her, inshallah, you would. And then she, uh, I, I came to know that she passed away uh, just two days ago. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy on her and accept her into al firdaus al a'la. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow every moment that she suffered and all of our brothers and sisters who suffered to be a means of expiation for them and elevation for them. Allahumma ameen. And lastly, uh, Sheikh uh, Sa'ad Taslim and Sheikh Fahad Taslim, uh, their their mother had passed away, rahimahullah, not too long ago. Um, I believe a month and a half or two months ago. I mean, time is obviously hard to capture these days, but then their father passed away a few days uh, ago as well. So I don't want to forget them. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy on their father and their mother and grant them al-firdaus al-a'la and join them. Uh, with them, Allahumma ameen. So inshallah ta'ala, we'll, we'll end with the du'a. Jazakallah khair, Shaykhna, Dr. Tahir, hafidhakallah, for taking all the time to be with us, even as you're traveling, and for giving us these du'as. Inshallah ta'ala, we'll make a du'a together for our brothers and sisters in Palestine. Alhamdulillah, hamdan kathiran tayyiban mubarakan fi hamdan yaliqu li jalali wajhihi wa li azimi sultani. Allahumma salli wa sallam wa barik ala abdika wa rasulika Muhammadin sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا ربنا أفرغ علينا صبرا وثبت أقدامنا وانصرنا على القوم الكافرين ربنا ثبت أقدامهم ربنا أفرغ عليهم صبرا وثبت أقدامهم وانصرهم على القوم الكافرين ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار ربنا آتهم في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقهم عذاب النار O oh Allah, we ask you to give victory to our brothers and sisters in Palestine. O oh Allah, we ask you to accept their dead as shuhada. Ya Allah, accept all of their casualties as shuhada. Ya Allah, accept all of their casualties as shuhada. Ya Allah, we ask you to pour upon them patience and to pour upon them your sustenance. We ask you to provide for them where other people have cut them off. We ask you to heal them when others have hurt them. We ask you to grant them expanse when others have sought to make the earth constricted for them. We ask you, O oh Allah, to give victory to our brothers and sisters in Palestine. We ask you, O oh Allah, to give victory to our brothers and sisters in Palestine. We ask you, O oh Allah, to give victory to our brothers and sisters in Palestine and to our brothers and sisters all over the world. Ya Allah, we ask you to give victory to our oppressed brothers and sisters all over the world. Ya Allah, we ask you to grant them steadfastness and firmness and patience. Ya Allah, we ask you to grant them the best of this life and the best of the next and to protect them from the punishment of the fire. Ya Allah, we ask you, Ya Jabbar, Ya Qawi, we ask you, O oh Allah, to do away with the oppressors who oppress our brothers and sisters in Palestine. 
and oppress our brothers and sisters all over the world. Ya Allah, Ya Allah, foil their plot, foil their plot, foil their plot. Ya Allah, turn their plot against them, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Ya Allah, turn their plot against them, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Ya Allah, turn their plot against them, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Ya Allah, we ask you to guide us and to guide our brothers and sisters. We ask you, O oh Allah, to allow our ummah to come together, to feel like one body. Ya Allah, unite our hearts, unite our ranks. And Ya Allah, grant us victory over the transgressors. Ya Rabbil Alameen. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka anabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'i. Subhanakallah wa bihamdika ashadu wa la ilaha lanta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka anabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Jazakumullah khairan, Shaykh Ta'an. Jazakumullah khair for everyone for joining us. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum as-salam.